Welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal and I'm joined by my co-host Bryson. Hey Skigglers, this week's episode is brought to you by BAM Bike. BAM-Bike.ch. All about bikes. Unfortunately, there is no coupon code today. Um, but the good news is that we sat down with Domi Whitmore, who has started his own company called BAM Bikes, uh, to talk about you know the first couple of months with his business, talk about his riding with bikes, talk about his injuries, unfortunately, but also how he got back into riding after uh, said injuries. And uh, yeah, it was a fun conversation. And uh, Bryson, what uh, what did you think? Yeah, it's been a while since I spoke to Domi, but it's good to get back in touch with him. Um, yeah, I always knew he was a stylish rider, very talented, but uh, I think the listeners are for a little treat. Um, yeah, he's not a one-trick pony, so let's get into the meat of it. All right, but before we get to our conversation, let's briefly do our spiel with the social and where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on Instagram, where you can skid right into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Finally, sharing episodes you enjoy on your socials or a heartfelt five-star rating on your favorite platform goes a long way in helping us reach more people like you. With that out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Domi. Talk to you after the show. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the Skits and Giggles podcast, Domi Wittmer. How's it going? Hello. Uh, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Uh, not bad, not bad. Bryson, recovered from the dead. How's it going, my friend? Uh, I'm still rising, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, I'm feeling better. Do you want to start this off? I think you had a question. Sure do. Hey, Domi, uh, I remember the first time we met. I was tagging along with the Burelma crew. Um, they set up this show me your trail and it was basically this kind of, I guess it started as a series of like getting people to, um, kind of be like a pseudo host for, um, an evening ride, uh, during the summer. And, uh, that host would like go basically show the crew from Baroma and like all the people who go on the evening ride this uh like trail that means something to them or like you know their own secret trail or like their trail that they go regularly or it's in their backyard whatever it was and uh yeah it was the first time i met you and i was like okay this is pretty cool i know of him know of him seen his insta um saw him on the webpage for the broma team and uh yeah he looks the part when we showed up so i wanted to know um well first off set the stage we took the highway from zurich down uh, south along the, the south end of the, uh, the lake to uh, Fafikon, or just above Fafikon. And um, the trail there is called uh, Etzel, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I remember asking you, you know, why is this your home trail or, you know, kind of this and that. You're like, or, or actually, I think it was if you, if you live around here, because it was kind of like show me your trail. And I just figured, okay, you must be like living on top of the hill or something. I don't know. But actually, you explained to me that you live on the other side of the lake. And I, being a, new to Switzerland, I didn't really have a clue. But 
maybe you can, now that I'm a little more familiar, maybe you can enlighten me as well as uh, our listeners. Um, why did you choose the Etzel Trail? And uh, yeah, like what, what's all, what was all about? And how was your experience for hosting the Show Me Your Trail from Baroma Ride? I don't remember why I choose that trail. I think I discussed it with Beat from Viroma to not go to Bachtel because Bachtel usually is my my home trail or the closest trail I ride a lot. But somehow we didn't go there. And because maybe a lot of the riders already know Bachtel, that's probably why I choose the Etzel Trail. And yeah, Etzel is just a, a very cool trail. It's has a good length. Um, it's yeah has a bit of everything in it. So uh, I really like to ride there. And yeah, there are some like secret uh, hidden ports as well there, and that were that are self-made. And I really like that. So it's not just the hiking path that you write down. And yeah, that's why I choose that trail, I guess. I'd say it was a pretty good choice. It was pretty hot. It was um, a steep one, fast one. Uh, I had trouble keeping up for sure. Uh, but the climb was the climb was really tough. It's a steep, a steep road. It's a really steep road. It's like un, it doesn't like let uh, it's unrelentless. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So previously stated, you're with the you were you were with the Baroma team. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started off with that? First, I was looking for uh, a shop that uh, I could write for that I get support, and I uh, introduced myself to Baroma first, and. Very short after that, uh, Dominic Bossard, you know him. Uh, Former guest. He wanted to, yes, <laughs> he wanted to build a, uh, yeah, like a team, um, like a dirt jump team for young talents. And yeah, then uh, <clears throat> uh, we started that or, yeah, he started that and with me together with Biroma and that's uh, how I got into this team just from the beginning with Dominic and yeah. Yeah, like when you decided to start it, did you have this idea that there would be a collection of guys who to join it and it kind of created maybe not going to say legacy, but this sort of trickle effect where the people who who joined this team kind of went on to like do a little bit more and more and not just like got together and did some dirt jumps. Was it like this original idea? Did you have any idea that all of these people would, you know, um, some, some of them become in the industry or even just, you know, it would grow to more than it was. As a single rider, it's very hard to get support from sponsors. And the idea was, that uh, when we build a team, that you get easier support from from companies and sponsors, and yeah, when when you show up as a team, 
this is uh, at, a, at an event or wherever when you go there as a team it you have way more attention um, and it's I mean it's a big thing in cross country or downhill there are always teams but not in dirt jump or slope style um, I don't know why it's still not not really the case that uh, there are like big teams for slope style like it is in the World Cup. It's it's basically always just a single single man sports. Like yeah, somehow it's hard to to help hold this uh, team together, and that's why probably also it's we split up again. <laughs> Uh, yeah but it was very good to actually it was super good um, we had yeah we could uh, um, we got the clothes from TSG and, and uh, from we got support from James and without that team we wouldn't have that as a sing as a just single rider have been way harder to get into into that and have attention and yeah also goes without saying that uh, the the amount of riders that have come through that team and uh, you know have then progressed on to you know different uh, different careers and different avenues i mean you know, of course i guess the biggest the biggest one would be lucas Hoopold, but uh, there's plenty of other riders such as yourself and chris fischer and Tommy Bossard as well, of course, and, and and you know there's just a number of riders that that have come through it and are still coming through it to some extent or through that same group of people. Um, that is, uh, and that's, I think that's a great a great uh, network and and kind of a framework how you can uh, you know provide a platform for for the riders, especially young ones, of course. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think especially for the young ones, it's. Uh... It's very helpful because, yeah, you have to, like, you, you have to guide them a bit, show them what they have to do, especially with sponsors. Um, yeah, I think that's that's very good for for young riders, and also it motivates them once they are in a team. They're like, oh, someone noticed me, and yeah. I think that's that's very good. I think another thing that brings you, because um, I've done a lot of uh, like group rides and joined some some cycling groups as well, and I think when you get into this sort of thing with other people, it brings you these other experiences that you wouldn't ever have the opportunity of uh, doing by yourself. Um, so, for example, uh, it would take you to some competitions. And maybe you would by yourself, you would never progress quickly enough to reach that competition um, and go to that competition and compete. Um, but because you're on a team, first of all, you got noticed. Second of all, you guys are all pumping each other up and helping each other progress to a level that's like, okay, well, actually, hey, that team's pretty good. Like, why don't we invite them? And so, you know, you get to go to some places or some events. Um, but fast forward some years, are you still doing some dirt jumping, some slope style? 
Competition-wise, not really. Okay. Um, I stopped. I don't know when. Like, was before COVID. <laughs> I've been doing some jams or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, I was injured a lot the past few years, and then I just couldn't be. Like, yeah. It was hard to always get back to the level where you were, and 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 the young ones in Switzerland were growing so quick, and they they overtook me with tricks and oh. everything, and so I, yeah, it was I wasn't very motivated to 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 do it again, like to do a comp compete. Uh, at the events and then just get like second lost or whatever. All right. But you never stopped riding, right? <laughs> uh, like you came back from injuries. Never, no, no. And you're multidisciplined. Yeah, so yeah. we know yeah, you're quite a fast rider as well. So you would be doing racing or what? Yeah, I, li I still love yeah. racing. Yeah. Um, it's a bit easier because in racing you have like uh, different categories you can take part and I mean, in slopestyle, there should be a like a, a master's category as well. I think because <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what it's cool about racing. Once you get older, or you're you're not licensed, uh, you don't have a license, you can still uh, take part as uh, in the open category, and there you can like ride for a podium, or yeah, you don't have to compete against the the, the very very fast guys um yeah i like that that there are uh categories where you can like go for a podium not just be in the middle somewhere mm -hmm. oh, it depends depends where you compete right so <laughs> yeah but when you compete in slope style it's always just you compete against the world's best and that's hard <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, before we uh, before we go too deep into you know your your riding career and the riding today and injuries and all that, I want to actually fast forward to today, um, because yeah. you know I think there's some some exciting stuff happening uh, this year at the start of the year. You started your own business, uh, Bam Bikes, yes. and I always love it when uh, you know. Friends of mine, they are starting their own businesses and taking the plunge, and it's a big step, right? So, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, about Band Bags? It was in my mind, like uh, for a while, that I want to be self-employed or start my own business because uh, I just never really loved what I was doing work-wise, and then last year, I kind of decided to really do that, start that, build my own business. And I had this idea with Bambike, uh, with a mobile workshop uh, or mobile, uh, yeah, yeah, mobile workshop that I can go to, to the people, uh, get their bikes and maybe fix it right there or if uh, not, I can take it back to the garage 
at home and fix it there. And then once it's fixed, bring it back. So that also is, uh, for me, the easiest way money-wise <laughs> to start this business because I don't have the money to to uh, to already invest in a in a workshop and yeah that idea with with uh, with the bus with the mobile workshop um, was uh, I think possible and so far it is possible and it works pretty good. So so far so far uh, who are your main clients? Is it just like private? Clients that have uh, you know want their flats fixed, or is it also other bike shops that hire you in when they they have they need more people, or what? How does it work right now? So far, uh, it's just private clients, um, like very random. There are uh, a lot of e-bikers actually, because where I live, there are a lot of e-bikers, and I don't mind to fix e-bikes. It's still a bike. It's cool. <laughs> And there are people who have like a really fucked up city bike or something and I have to fix that then. <laughs> or also like a very expensive cross-country bike. So I had it all so far already. And yeah, it's, it's mixed, which is cool. Okay. But I don't, I don't work together with a bike shop or some something. Oh, okay. And... Um... What kind of services do you offer? Is it like a full, fully fledged bike shop? You do from you know new bike builds to service to suspension to whatever else there is. Software engineering for e-bikes, of course. <laughs> um, what uh, you know? What are the services that you can offer out of the the bus? Um, well, I started just with the standard stuff like. Uh, uh, full bike service like yeah, you just uh service the whole bike no suspension service that i don't do already i i want to do or i have to practice first on on my own stuff and go to courses otherwise you're not a you're not even allowed to to for example open a fox fork um um but I went already to uh, to this uh, Bosch e-bike course because I thought that's very important <clears throat> when I have so much uh, e-bike clients around here that I can uh, I can fix this uh, Bosch problems they maybe have and do updates on the motors or just send them send them into uh, warranty service or whatever yeah that's what i did so far but i want to do more uh especially sus suspension wise but yeah i have to to work on that first but i mean that is uh i think that's an interesting niche right because then you can uh especially with the bus then you're if you if you have the flexibility to to drive to you know let's say bryson and i do test weekend or whatever and you know you can we could invite you along and hire you to do whatever quick fork service or of course bryson <laughs> can do it himself of course i know that but i'm just hypothetically 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, something like that would be cool, or just, you know, let's say a racer in the neighborhood, or or, or something like that. So I mean, the the full the full service spectrum. But um, the where did you get the idea for the mobile bus? Because I've only um, I've uh, as you may know or may not know, I've I've lived abroad and I've been abroad quite a bit. And uh, I saw I know in the US there is the the VeloFix uh, buses. I know in London where I live there is a mobile um, bike shop service. But where where did you get the idea? Because in in Europe on the mainland I haven't really seen uh, 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 mobile workshops. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think it just somehow popped up my mind uh, that I that I can could do that instead of just uh, rent rent a, a workshop um, because I was looking for like yeah some uh, a solution to 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 get into this without uh, investing a lot of money. So that popped up my mind somehow. I f- think I wasn't influenced by other mobile workshops actually okay. yeah i also don't know that there are a lot in the us or canada since it seems like you might be the only mobile workshop it kind of opens the door to like all of these things that i mean we don't really know at this moment because it's like where could a mobile workshop go i mean anywhere kind of but also <laughs> Yeah, it's like there isn't already this set schedule of mobile workshops that are like going to races or showing up at test events or, you know, doing specific things. Like there isn't already a recipe. So it's kind of like now you have to clean slate, like a blank page of like what you could do with it. Have you had some crazy ideas like uh, calling up project team project? And being like, yo, I'll just follow you to follow you to every European Cup and be your guy, or like, uh, I'm just gonna roll up to some random enduro event and just like open my door and see who just wants to have their bike fixed immediately. You know, it's like you can kind of just do almost anything. I don't know. What What are you thinking? Yeah, you could that. You could do that all. That's true. Uh, actually, when I had this idea. With the mobile workshop, I was in Davos at the Dirt of Spring series. And then I saw a little flyer in at the bar. And around there, there is actually also a guy who does that uh, with a mobile workshop. So like similar to me, he has his uh, home base and a boss like me with all the tools and stuff. Um, so it's not, I'm not the only one. Ah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not sure if I want to go like to events and stuff and and to work there. I prefer. I think I prefer to to grow up like a, uh, uh, my how do I say a group of people around here they, that they know me here where I live and that they come back again and again. And because if you go to like events and stuff, you're always on the road and you do a service for them once or fix them the bike just once. And then you maybe don't see them again. And I like that. I see the guys again 
which I fixed the bikes into a service because I kind of like to see if they were happy what I did and hear from them again and uh, yeah otherwise it's not very personal if I just go somewhere fix bikes and okay bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it could be good marketing right so because the you know let's say you go that to the sure. Swiss Enduro series to a Swiss Enduro series in, in Lenzerheide you rock up with your bus uh, in the parking lot you know put up uh, you know an easy up or whatever and uh, you know do do service for the racers and you know maybe some of them live in your area you don't know right because you can't know yeah you know, I know you, you live a bit outside of town but uh, I have a feeling you don't know everyone that lives in your area or is like within the, the catchment area of your bus or of your service and uh, so you know why not and if you don't if there's nothing to do you can go ride yourself right so <laughs> that's the uh, the other the other benefit right so because you you still like to ride your bike yourself so but yeah so you could do some that. marketing ideas i also wouldn't underestimate the word of mouth cuz if you're looking for a personalized service and you really want to get to know your customers and be the best for them uh in that way um the word of mouth is pretty much the vehicle for that because the people who trust other what other people tell them are the kind of people I think would be, or at least I think you would want to have as clients. You know what I mean? Like there's that match there because there's this whole like wholesome idea of like, hey, I know this guy. He's good. And the other, and on, on the other side, you're providing this personalized service is exactly what they're looking for because they're the kind of people who are trusting what other people tell them. Um, I don't know. Could be, Yeah. But what's what's in what's in store? What what are you gonna what do you have planned? Uh, like something coming up for for doing something with Bam? I think I would like to have my own workshop, not a mobile one, like a okay. real one. Um, in the future, yeah. so that's that's definitely my goal to have like a very ah. cool small workshop. So you're using Bam mobile um, solution so I, as like a stepping stone. To something more. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when you, when I um, have my mobile thing, right, like the, what I have now, I, I can't really sell bikes, for example, because, uh, yeah, you don't have a, you don't have a shop to, to promote them and whatever, and you don't have the space to store it. And it's very limited. Um, so with, with a shop, I think I would have more options. So I like to go into this, this direction. That's well, not to say that you can keep the mobile solution and have a home base. And maybe if you had a, a mechanic working for you as well, they could do, or you guys could split the, the duty. That would be cool. But like. On some occasions, you can take the take the van out, or he could, or she could, or yeah. I mean, that would be fun as well, actually. It's a really cool idea, this band yep. bike. Where did you get the name, the idea? <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking a uh, a long time for a name, for like a cool name, not just a, a, a standard name that everyone has, like Wittmer Bike Shop or something like that. That's so boring. Um, so I played around with words and letters and whatever, and then somehow, uh, 
BAM bike came out. Um, BAM stands for bamboo. And because I like pandas, they eat bamboo, and that's why BAM <laughs> so, uh, comes all wow. from the pandas. Oh, the panda. Yeah. I recognize this yeah. theme. Is there something else with panda going on? Yeah, is there? I don't know. Is there maybe the? Is there not a? Is it a bike park with a panda? Yeah, there's a bike park. <laughs> is there a bike park? That 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 could be. <laughs> what, what, what what's the story with the? Is it a mobile the, bike park with the panda and the bike park? Is it mobile too? <laughs> no, no, the bike park is mobile. That would be cool. <laughs> there we go. Get a trailer. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um, the the thing with the bike park and the pandas was even before I came into uh, this group of friends uh, from the bike park. So they started this panda thing a bit before when they had their secret uh, jumps in the woods. And they somehow had this idea about uh, protecting it with, with bamboo around so no one can, can, can see the jumps and stuff. And yeah, that, that was like the bamboo thing. And then they were like, yeah, but then we need a panda. Uh, they wrote uh, their jumps like for a few years longer than me already. And I came into, like I... Went to the opening from the bike park read, I think, with Dominic Bossart. And I started a little bit riding dirt jumps or just jumps with Dominic. And he knew, I don't know, some of these guys there in Rüti. And I went there with him to the opening. And yeah, from the beginning on, I, I just loved it. I was very bad at the beginning riding these jumps. I had to learn like riding a bike basically new again. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I can ride a bike. I can do these jumps. And then I tried these jumps and I failed hard at the beginning. But so I wanted I wanted to 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 do better and yeah, I never uh, stopped trying and I always went again there and the guys there were super nice and uh, yeah, they became friends to me and that's how how it is still still this group of friends in the bike park, the Ponda Park For those, for those out there who aren't so uh, in tune with dirt jumping what is it about those jumps that set them apart from something you'll find like maybe near a, a pump track where you have like a set of jumps on the side what is it that you couldn't accomplish? You know, like why did they seem so challenging? I think you, it's because you have to write very precise. You can't just try and yeah, yeah, it will work. Uh, it's also because the the takeoffs are very steep, the landings are steep, and just the whole technique has to be on point. Otherwise, you don't make it. You, you, you got a hang up or you land in a flat, you got nose heavy, whatever. Uh, I think that's what, uh, 
but everyone struggles at the beginning trying to write dirt jumps uh, because a lot of people can can do all the jumps in a bike park like Lenzerheide, wherever. But then when they try dirt jumps, especially with a hard tail, uh, yeah, it's something different. And so what's the park like? We have now uh, one main big line, two big, like, big jumps for Switzerland. <laughs> um, and the step up and then a little step down and the line back to the starting tower. So that's the main the main line. Then we also have a dirt-to-dirt medium trail line that also goes forward and back again to the starting tower. And then we have a, a little, little table line for the kids that we are still uh, trying to, to make better. I don't know, is it now is it now uh open to the public is it like uh you own the land you're allowed to have it or is it still kind of uh with bamboo around just b- <laughs> with b- bamboo around hidden in the forest no no it's uh basically it's public but it's only open when someone of the shape crew is there so we open and close the park it's uh it's like in same in, as in uh, Zurich Jump Park. So yeah, it's, it's better when, when always someone of the shape crew is there because then you can show the, um, the not that experienced rider what they have to do to maintain the jumps and, uh, or uh, show them how to ride and give them tips. and yeah. Otherwise, they would maybe just try and crash and or, or destroy the jumps that happened all before when we didn't close it. So that's why it's basically open, but only when someone of the shape crew is there. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, your own riding, right? So I've I've run into you at uh, you know dirt jump contests where I was watching, obviously not riding myself. I ran into you at the uh, the infamous King of Utleberg. Um, downhill enduro whatever race it was and you stole third place from me <laughs> and uh i saw clips of you riding dh races i heard earlier that you've started with cross country so you're clearly a multidiscipline rider so uh so what's your favorite today how does it uh how does it look like today i can't pick one so still the, the overall uh, i would miss the the variety if I, I just would do like downhill or just do dirt jump. So I really need like a bit of uh, all of them, like enduro, dirt jump, downhill. So the, it's, it's the mixture. <laughs> You've mentioned you started with cross country. Um, you know, how, how did you get into riding cross country? I mean, I guess, you know, in, in the nineties, that was the, uh, the thing to do. I mean, that was when, the Olympics started, Thomas Frischknecht was like this superstar and then Nino came along and all these guys. Was that how that brought you to the bikes or what got you into bikes in the first place? Uh, in the first place, uh, I think it was the w- my way to go to school. I always went to school with the bike because I lived, still live on top of the mountain. So I had to go to school with the bike. And then 
somehow I went to this bicycle club in Vetikon. They offered the kids training, and of course it was cross country. Um, that's how I really, or when I really started uh, mountain biking in this club, and I started doing races, and yeah, got me, got me from there on. So <laughs> still doing it. Um, I raced cross country for seven years, I think. And then I was like, I uh, had some uh, health problems, uh, wasn't feeling well. Maybe I was a bit burned out because of the apprenticeship and the races and school and everything. And so I stopped racing and uh, still went biking just with friends. Uh, a lot with Dominic Bossert again. He was always involved. <laughs> um, that's how I got into more the free ride thing, the jumping thing. And uh, yeah, I never went back to cross country from there on when I once had this uh, free ride bike. That's funny. I mean, it's uh, I, um, your cross country is, is just a. Uh... It always comes back. So every once in a while, I feel like I, you know, I need to really torture myself to a cross country race or a cross country marathon or something like that. And uh, I, uh, you know, every once in a while, I like it. It's it's just a, uh, you know, it's a type two fun, a bit of a uh, bit of a challenge. Um, you know, you need to just adapt the challenge a little bit. I mean, it's clearly you're not riding at the front of the race anymore. You're just uh, going at your own speed and. <laughs> try not to be stupid but uh but yeah it's uh it can still be fun but uh you found uh um you you found obviously some uh, some other disciplines um but i think you've already mentioned you've uh, you've uh, had some health problems or injuries that you mentioned earlier already and that's something i want to talk about um a little bit is uh is, is your 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 challenges with with injuries and actually coming back from injuries um and, and how you've gone about that so um so why don't you talk us a little bit about um well unfortunately some of the injuries that you've had and but uh i'm interested in the how you how you came back from them so my very first injury was uh, also the worst one um it was back then when I was still riding cross-country. Uh, I had a very silly crash, just went OTB, landed on the head and broke my neck, like uh, broke the second vertebra in my neck. And that was, that was the worst I've had. I had to have surgery and got three stiff vertebras now. And I was very close to... to to not walk again back then, but I was super lucky. Um, can still feel it. Like I got a stiff neck pretty, pretty quick, but other than that, it's okay. And after that I had, yeah, a few more injuries and broke my back again. Uh, a few vertebras, no surgery, but still was very bad. And, um, yeah, it was just always, uh, sometimes a bigger setback, sometimes not so much, but every injury is like, you're, 
in the moment you you got injured you always think why am i doing this <laughs> uh and i i think i stopped now and it's not worth it and so much pain and but then after a few days usually the motivation comes back and you don't even think about it too much and you just want to go biking again and that's what always motivated me to to come back to to do what i love um but yeah i think still every every injury some something is yeah um there's always something that not goes away you know uh i mean a lot of people say yeah I come back stronger and blah blah blah, but I'm not sure if that's true because at some point you're like, oh fuck, not again. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then you you just don't do some stuff anymore and or, or don't take that much of a risk again. That's also why I stopped competing in in slope style events, I think. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's part part of the game. And I had a lot of injuries. Some people don't have much injuries. Um, but yeah, that's you can't choose. <laughs> but apart from. Uh not taking the risk are you also doing other things to to deal with the injury or prevent injury so you know we've we've talked with uh, chris fisher uh about this quite a bit because he spends a lot of time in the gym for example and with stretching and uh, and stuff like that i know other riders do quite a bit of yoga and mobility exercises that help them either with injuries or preventing injuries um, so is there anything you do in that regard to, to help you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I also spend a lot of time in the gym. I got a gym at home, so I can go there whenever I want. And yeah, I think without without that, it uh, wouldn't be possible to ride like like I ride, like I, like I still ride. So that is very important. And especially when you are injured, you have to kick your ass, go to the gym twice as much, <laughs> go on the road bike and just stay active and do your stretching and 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 never stop. That's what I learned. Um, usually after an injury, I yes, someone stopped with the gym stuff again and uh but now i actually do it all the year long so i never take a break from it um i think that helps to to yeah maybe prevent uh injuries a bit at least uh yeah and it's not that hard to go into the gym and recovery mode again when you never stop <laughs> oh yeah no absolutely and uh you know, I think that's that's something I uh, I, I noted for myself is um, you know the difference between so let's say 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I was riding a lot more on the road. So when I was living in London, for example, I was exclusively riding on the road and did no weight training whatsoever. And then I came back here to Switzerland, started riding mountain bike much more again or exclusively, basically, um, much more gravity oriented, so more enduro and or uplift days and stuff like that. And there you can really tell the difference if, you know, if you've been to the gym or not. And just with, uh, you know, it's crashing, but also form on the bike and, and holding onto your handlebars and all that sort of stuff. So it can, and it, you know, you don't need to do a lot. You don't need to lift heavy or crazy exercises and mobility stuff, but just like the basic, basic things like a push and a pull and the whatever kind of exercise. And then that's it. So but just the consistency is, uh, I guess what, uh, what wins the race here. Yeah, I actually, I totally agree with that. Yeah. To, uh, to, to, to bring it back on a more positive, on a more positive note. So today, you know, what, what gets you really excited about riding? What gets you going? Uh, I think it's just so fun. Uh, just the the best feeling ever when you when you can ride a trail when you can do jumps and um yeah you you, you're out in the nature and you don't think of everything else than just what you do now um that keeps me going and i want to do it all the time as much as possible and uh yeah it's just gives me so much back um like nothing else uh yeah that's that's why that's why i do it <laughs> if we could hold the gun to your head today and tell you you could only ride one bike one type of bike let's say not one specific bike so you know trail enduro dh bmx dirt jump whatever you want to call it which one would you pick I would definitely pick the enduro bike because it's still, yeah, definitely the most versatile bike you can get. You can you can do everything with it. So yeah, enduro. Okay. And where uh, that enduro bike that you just picked? Where are you going to bring it this summer? I mean, we're uh, as we record this. That's the beginning of April. We just had the last bit of snow. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, last weekend. So it's starting to dry out, it's starting to become green outside. You know, things are looking good. Lifts are open soon. What are you looking forward to? So if it goes to plan and everything went well, um, I plan a trip to the UK, uh, ride bikes there. So that's, that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to. And everything else, just biking around here, ride a lot at the bike park, do some races, and all right. You mentioned races. Um, what uh, what is still on your menu for this year? Are we going to see you at the Swiss Enduro Series? Bryson and I we signed up to the uh, hardtail category for the Swiss Championship. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> sick. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I compete also at the Swiss Enduro Series. Are you going to join us? No, I'm not on a hardtail. Dirt trippers go. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I'm not sure. I stay on, on the full sets. 
<laughs> I guess I guess that's with all the injuries he can't deal with hardtails anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm getting old and my back is yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta be careful. Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, actually my plan was to 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 race the the masters downhill category races, a few of them, and also the Swiss champs, and I wanted to go for the, the Swiss champs title. Uh, because I was on a good run last year and then crashed out in the almost lost corner. And then I read the news lately that they <laughs> changed the age of the Masters category up to 35. Why ever? Uh, and now uh, that's, uh, that won't happen this year. I have to wait for another three years. So I, I don't know now what to race in downhill. Ah, okay. Well, I had a different problem, right? So because I was uh, in uh, in the EWS, the Masters category was, uh, uh, until last year, it was from 40. So in 2020, it was like my, when I was my 40th birthday. So that was like my debut in the Masters category in Zermatt and <laughs> this infamous race in the snow. And uh, I managed to finish seventh in the Masters category there. <laughs> so I was uh, very happy with that. But uh, last year, they changed it to 35 which I guess is the um, uh, oh. the master's age across the different categories uh, for the UCI um, for the UCI regulated races. So all master's categories in UCI sanctioned races are from 35. That's why. Uh, that's that's why. Okay. All go. right. So yeah, now I, now I'm having to race these young whippersnappers. You know, I mean, 35 and 42. <laughs> that's just not fair. Um, I guess we're getting uh, towards the end of our time tonight. Um, we want to close out our show with our infamous uh, closeout questions. Um, maybe start with the first one. Simple, nice and easy. Just tell us about that first bike that got you really stoked on riding. That was um, my first cross-country hardtail that I got when I was 12 or something. Uh, it was a GT. I don't know which model exactly, but it uh, had a Judy TT fork with Shimano Diore components, uh, V-brakes, no disc brakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was sick. That was sick. Didn't hold too long, but... <laughs> it's just a GT. It's a special brand. I don't know. It's Maybe it's the... You know, it's that time in the '90s where they had this, uh, you know, this iconic athletes on their bikes and this iconic design, and and then obviously, you know, on the downhill side as well as on the cross country side. I think there's just something special about GT bikes from that era. Maybe, yeah. Um, our second one: uh, Imagine yourself as Harry Skidini, and you are a bike magician extraordinaire. You can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of a magic dropper post. What would you do? Like it's more mechanical wise. Uh, I I would I would make. Um, I would like to have bikes with more equal standards overall. Like not that that jungle of uh, of different. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> What are, you, what are you talking about standards? So you're not a mountain biker if you want standards. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
What is it that you don't like about changing standards? I mean, when you have a bike like for uh, that is five years old or ten years old, and, and you're looking for parts for that, just can't uh, almost find it anymore. And then there are like five, six, seven new new standards in between, and uh, yeah, it's just so hard to to find always the 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 right bottom bracket for example uh yeah it's, it's what i don't like i don't maybe it's a bit of a swiss thing <laughs> i like it more specific it can be overwhelming i've gone through the same thing for sure yeah yeah there's a plethora but also if you look on the flip side it's almost like unlimited possibilities i mean if you can find the parts, <laughs> if you can find the matching, you know, it's kind of like, wow, there's just so yeah. many different varieties of things. Uh, I'm not trying to say it's good or bad, but you know, there's a, there's a silver lining, you know, and, and you can, you can find it. But uh, if the silver lining was actually a super mega awesome epic skid, <laughs> Because we are the Skigglers here. Uh, maybe you could tell us what your most awesome epic skid would look like. I think it has to be like a, uh, a pile, like a wobble. Come over that. You, you scrub your bike over that muggle. <laughs> and your front and rear wheel starts to skid and you have to slow down because further there is a corner and you're still sideways you break front and rear you skid and then you roost into the berm dust explosion and you ride on and take so as you're coming scrubbing over this mogul you have to flip like Scandi the other way in order to hit the berm, or you're continuing your 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 slide out. I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there are, there are two options you can choose. Because one's like the like fast there's way. A left, there's a left berm and there's a right oh, berm. Oh, what? Yeah, so you can still so choose like, one while you're, you're skating. Like freestyling a dual slalom course. Yes. <laughs> ah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Let's all go to uh, Monterey. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I can. I really can visualize that. You know. Well, Donny, thanks for your time. That was really, really cool. Um, we had a we had a good laugh. <laughs> um, if uh, our listeners want to find out more about you and Bam Bikes, where can they find you? So they can find me on social media, of course. Uh, Instagram, it's. It's at Bambike underline. Yeah, that's Bambike. And me is at domi.witmer. Um, also, I got a web page for Bambike. It's www.bam-bike.ch. That's how you can find me. Sweet. We'll put that up in the, uh, in the show notes so uh, people can find it. And, uh, and if you can't find anything we talked about, then you know, just hit us up in our comments and our messages or wherever, and we'll get back to you. 
Domi, thanks again. That was really fun. Thank you. Um, Bryson, awesome as always. And we'll hopefully see you soon out on the trails. Yes, for sure. Ciao. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you can find all the links and the relevant info to this episode in the show notes. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, why don't you share it with your riding buddies? It really helps us grow our show and reach more cool people like you. That's great advice, Pascal. I really enjoyed making the episode as well. And I'm really looking forward to all the cool stuff we're going to be doing in 2022. So stay tuned, guys. 